Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning, with your host, Gordon Deal. Menendez pushes back. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka on this Tuesday, September 26th. Glad you're on board. Here's what's up this hour. New Jersey Democratic Senator Bob Menendez makes his first public comments since he and his wife were charged with taking bribes. House Republicans will try to pass spending bills this week in an effort to keep the government funded. The Democratic Senate won't pass them. And President Biden will join striking auto workers in Michigan today. It's an unprecedented move. And homeowners taking risks to lower their rising insurance bills. Part of the reason is the increase in natural disasters. That's a big one um, across the board. Across the country, we're seeing areas that never used to get damaged getting damaged. And so that's uh, boosting up claims. Another reason is good old inflation. Veronica Dagger at the Wall Street Journal on ways to potentially lower your homeowner's insurance. New Jersey Democratic Senator Bob Menendez says he won't step down after prosecutors charge him and his wife with taking bribes from three New Jersey businessmen. Some elected Democrats, including New Jersey's governor and senators from Ohio, Vermont, and Pennsylvania, have publicly urged him to step down. Former House Speaker and senior Democrat Nancy Pelosi told MSNBC late yesterday that she also felt Mr. Menendez should resign. The probe is the third time he's been under investigation by federal prosecutors, though he has never been convicted. Some of the people calling for my resignation for political reasons say I have lost the trust of the people of New Jersey. That couldn't be more wrong. Prosecutors want him to forfeit assets including his home, a 2019 Mercedes-Benz convertible, and $566,000 in cash, gold bars, and bank account funds. Mr. Menendez, his wife Nadine, and the businessmen are expected to appear in Manhattan federal court tomorrow. The charges Mr. Menendez and his wife face carry a sentence of up to 45 years in prison. House Republican leaders will try to advance steep spending cuts this week that stand no chance of becoming law and could force a partial government shutdown starting Sunday. When the House returns today, lawmakers will take up four spending bills for the coming fiscal year that would impose new restrictions on abortion access, undo an $11 billion Biden administration climate initiative and resume construction of the Mexico-U.S. border wall. Hundreds of thousands of federal workers will be furloughed and a wide range of services will be suspended if Congress does not provide funding for the new fiscal year that starts October 1. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Well, you have to keep the government open. I mean, if people want to close the government, it only makes it weaker. Why would they want to stop paying the troops or stop paying the border agents or the Coast Guard? I don't understand how that makes you stronger. I don't understand what point you're trying to make. Mr. McCarthy has been unable so far to muster support for a temporary spending extension as a group of hardline Republicans have refused to go along. In an unprecedented move, President Biden today will travel to Michigan to join the picket line with members of the United Auto Workers who are on strike against the Detroit Three. Meanwhile, Sean Fain took over the UAW in April with a promise to reverse the union's waning influence and transform it into a political powerhouse. In less than six months, he's fulfilled that pledge by organizing a historic strike and holding hostage his endorsement of President Biden. But the strategy has risks. Here's Jeff Mordock, White House reporter at The Washington Times. Jeff, what's Mr. Fain trying to do? What he's trying to do is he's trying to raise 
He's trying to raise the public's perception. He's trying to raise the uh, political stakes. So that's why he's expanding the strike slowly. It's why he didn't put everybody on strike at the same time, because it keeps the strike in the news. You know, after a while, you see with the strikes, that they go on, you see this with the writer strike. The press kind of didn't give it the coverage after a little bit because there was no news. By slowly expanding it, he's keeping politicians attached on it, and he's keeping the public's attention on it. What's missing, I think, uh noticeably here is the lack of an endorsement from the United Auto Workers of President Biden in the re-election bid. Well, and that's really interesting because it reflects Sean Fain's strategy to make the UAW much more political. It was a political kingmaker back in the 60s and 70s, but its its influence has waned, has union memberships declined, people have bought more, bought more foreign cars. He's trying to bring that back, and essentially what he's doing is holding it host- holding the endorsement hostage to get some action from the president and his administration on this strike. The president has largely stayed on the sidelines until Friday afternoon when he announced he's going to uh, walk the picket line with striking workers this week. That's, you know, an extraordinary moment. It's the first time in U.S. history we've ever had a president walk a picket line with striking workers. Yeah. Uh, President Trump, a former President Trump, trying to tap into this as well. That's exactly right. It's really interesting how Sean Fain has really managed to get the politics, almost getting both sides to support his workers, but for different reasons. You have President Biden and the Democrats coming out for the workers saying they're victims of corporate greed and really saying that this is corporations putting profits before people. And then you have the Republicans coming out for the workers saying, no, these workers are victims of the woke EV electric vehicle push, and they're victims of of the environmental movement, and this is affecting jobs, this is affecting people's pay. And it's really interesting how they've gotten both sides have turned this into a political football for them. We're speaking with Jeff Mordock, White House reporter at The Washington Times. His piece is called Strike Raises Stakes for UAW Leader in Bid to Reclaim Political Influence. That's a reference to Sean Fain, who's the head of the UAW. Um, what about credibility for the union following uh, its embezzlement trials? Well, that's, that has also, uh, also helped deteriorate the UAW's influence, which Sean Fain's trying to reclaim. Uh, He was elected. He's an interesting guy. He was elected. He's the first rank-and-file auto worker to ever head the UAW, Uh, and it was a contentious election. It was a court-supervised election because of the corruption scandals. They had two former UAW presidents in the past decade have gone to jail for embezzlement. So, you know, Sean Finch trying to move it away, and by moving it away, trying to make it more of a political force than it has been. If you look, you know, the UAW in the political realm hasn't been as relevant as, say, the teachers' union, which has been incredibly relevant and incredibly political in the last couple of years. That role used to be the UAW, and now um, that that's part of Sean Fain's goal here is to get this to come back. It's, it's pretty interesting. It's also interesting because he's relatively new, and this strike, I mean, it's a historic strike, the first three, the first strike against the big three automakers, he's only been in his position in April. This is something that requires tremendous skill, tremendous maneuvering for somebody who's only been in the job six months. It's, it's quite an ambitious, ambitious goal because not only is the future of the UAW riding on this, but the success of this really is going to dictate, I think, the, the, the success of the labor movement within the next decade. Nice, Jeff. Jeff Mordock, White House reporter at The Washington Times. 
One thing we all have in common is a need to feed. If you're like me, you love to eat and want to eat right without much pre-planning and shopping. Enter HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall with HelloFresh handling all the meal planning and shopping. They do the work, you take a bow. Plus, HelloFresh is more than just dinners. There's breakfast, quick lunches, fresh snacks, tasty, time-saving, and delivered to your front door. HelloFresh's convenience, variety, and quality keep me eating right all day and night. Right now, save from the start. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh's menu offers 40 recipes and over 100 add-ons. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Say goodbye to boring meal plans and HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon. Hey, glad you're with us. Welcome into Tuesday. There's a drinking water crisis in New Orleans because salty water from the Gulf of Mexico is making its way up the shrinking Mississippi River. More from this morning's Mike Gavin. Local water resources in South Louisiana are being strained as salt water from the Gulf of Mexico intrudes into the historically low water levels of the lower Mississippi, posing a potential health risk for the public water systems. The National Weather Service expects the river volume to fall to new lows over the next several weeks. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers last summer built an underwater barrier sill to help delay the flow of salt water, but the intrusion overtopped the sill last week as crews prepared for additional work. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. Governor John Bell Edwards urged residents not to panic or rush to buy bottled water, adding residents will be notified in advance if salt water is impacting their area. Around 15 million gallons of fresh water is being brought in for residents in impacted areas. 20 minutes after the hour on this morning. Here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. With a government shutdown five days away, Congress is moving into crisis mode as Speaker Kevin McCarthy faces an insurgency from hard-right Republicans eager to slash spending, even if it means curtailing federal services for millions of Americans. The House is expected to vote this evening on a package of bills to fund parts of the government. But it's not at all clear that McCarthy has the support needed to move ahead. Republican Congressman Mark Molinaro of New York. I would say a government shutdown is uh, is in no one's best interest. Meanwhile, the Senate is preparing its own bipartisan plan for a stopgap measure to buy some time and keep offices funded past Saturday's deadline. Number two. Democratic Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey says he won't resign from Congress and offered an explanation for the large amounts of cash found in his home in his first public remarks since he was indicted by a federal prosecutor in a bribery scheme. These were monies drawn from my personal savings account based on the income that I have lawfully derived over those 30 years. Menendez didn't say if he plans to run for re-election, but the scandal could make the race more competitive for Republicans. Number three. The first of thousands of residents who lost their homes in the wildfire that destroyed the Hawaii town of Lahaina returned to their devastated properties Monday. In the days following the August 8th wildfire, some people were able to return to their properties to evaluate the damage. But since then, the burned area has been off limits to all but authorized workers. Authorities opened one small part of it yesterday, allowing residents in for supervised visits from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
A pair of front row balcony tickets to Ford's Theater on April 14, 1865. The night President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth sold at auction for $262,500. The tickets are stamped with the date Ford's Theater, April 14, 1865, this night only. A ticket stub and a collection of Harvard University is the only other used April 14th Ford's ticket known to still exist. Oh, really? All right. Thank you, Jen. Homeowners in search of relief from rising insurance bills are offering to pay more out of pocket in the event of a fire, theft, or other damage to their property. In practice, consumers are doing this by raising their deductible, but the strategy is risky. Here's Veronica Dagger, personal finance reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Veronica, what's the market like right now? Premiums are jumping, so people are pretty stressed because their premiums in certain markets are going up 20% or more. So your insurance bill for your home is going up so much along with all of your other bills. And so people are looking for ways to save and take back some control over this this rising, uh, all these rising costs. All right, so why? Why are we seeing this rise? Uh, well, you know, there's part of the reason is the increase in natural disasters. That's a big one um, across the board, across the country. We're seeing areas that never used to get damaged getting damaged. And so that's uh, boosting up claims. Another reason is good old inflation, right? And so to rebuild a home, it's going to cost more. Labor is going to be more expensive. Materials in many cases are still more expensive. And so the insurance companies are passing on some of that cost to the consumer. I think this was why you said in your story, like shopping around doesn't always serve you well here. It doesn't. It doesn't, especially these higher uh, riskier areas um, for people are having, um, especially when the risk in your neighborhood has increased in the insurer's point of view, uh, shopping around is not going to help you because every insurer is going to be asking uh, for you to pay higher premiums. There's not a lot. A lot of negotiation or comparison shopping you can do anymore. All right. So how do you help yourself then? That can, you, you choose a higher deductible be one way. How does that work? One way is choosing the higher deductible. And so as you know, the deductible is the amount paid by a policyholder before insurance kicks in. And so generally higher deductibles mean lower premiums, but that means you as the consumer are taking on more risk. Uh, standard deductible is like $500 to $1,000. Um, but some people are opting for a deductible of $2,000 or $2,500. Uh, but that means any damage you get, um, say you've damaged to your roof, that's going to cost you $2,000. Well, you're going to be out of pocket that $2,000 now because your deductible is, is at that level. Um, if you had a $500 deductible, you'd have to put $500 of your own money and then the insurance would kick in for the rest. If, if $2,000 damage, you are on you're footing the bill for that entire amount so you have to make sure you have that money saved in your an emergency account and you're ready to to pay that bill uh, off the bat yeah we're speaking with veronica dagger personal finance reporter at the wall street journal her story is called homeowners take risks to lower their insurance bills um how much might you reduce your premium if you, you know, kick up your deductible Yep. So there's a study and said raising your deductible to $1,000 from 500 might decrease the cost of your homeowner's insurance by 6% on average. And that's according to a recent analysis by insurance research site valuepenguin.com. How much you save really depends on the insurer, where you live, if you've had past claims, level of risk. So there's a lot of variables at stake here. Did you say too that uh, in some cases insurance companies are 
kind of nudging their customers toward doing this? Yes, they are because they are trying to pass off the risk. You know, there's a lot of financial machinations that goes on behind the scenes. But basically, if the insurance companies have to front less risk for consumers, the people that insure the insurance companies will give them a more favorable um, lending uh, sort of backstop to their finances. And so it just makes sense for the insurance companies to take on less risk from their own financial point of view because the people they borrow money for from um, view that more favorably. It's reporter Veronica Dagger at The Wall Street Journal. 30 minutes now after the hour on this morning, America's first news. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Cutting through the clutter to bring you the people and stories that matter to you. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Hey, glad you're with us. Welcome into Tuesday, September 26. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. Senator Menendez says he won't step down. House Republicans try to fund the government. Biden to walk the United Auto Workers picket line today. Drinking water crisis in New Orleans. Seven candidates qualify for tomorrow's Republican presidential debate. The Powerball jackpot climbs to $800 million. The sports retailer Fanatics says Taylor Swift attending the Chiefs game Sunday has led to a spike in sales of Travis Kelsey jerseys. And the family with three babies in four years, all born on the same day. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Dell. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Dell Technologies and Intel are pushing what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. Since the pandemic, America has been living in an economic version of the greased pig game. Prices have been running free despite assurances from policymakers and economists that the pig, known here as inflation, will be caught soon, which is to say brought down to the Federal Reserve's 2% target. For the past few months, it seemed like we may have finally caught the pig, but just as greased pigs are unpredictable, so is inflation. It's a piece by Lynette Lopez, reporter at Insider. Lynette, explain. Well, the, the main topic in this economy, the, the guiding force in what policymakers are looking at right now is inflation. Um, we've been experiencing inflation since the pandemic started due to dislocations and the supply chain, not being able to get stuff, not being able to do stuff. And now that the economy is open, everybody has some money to burn. We have stuff we want to do. We have things we want to buy. All of this unbalancing is coming back to rebalance. 
And the question is, do we get rebalanced in a hard way or in a soft way? Do we get rebalanced easing into a normal economy or do we have to go through a recession to go through it? So, mm, Right. As you point out, yeah. you, you say uh, we could here be entering the messiest phase of this uh, this kind of this greased pig chase because there's evidence of some reacceleration of prices. Explain that. Well, that's the thing about a greased pig. It's hard to catch, slippery. You might kind of fall on your face while you're trying to get in and it'll wiggle out of your hands. And that's the kind of battle the, the Federal Reserve, which is hiking interest rates, in order to cool the economy down. That's the battle that the Federal Reserve is trying to win. It's trying to catch this pig, but it might have to get its hands dirty doing it, which is to say, slow down the economy to the point that it might mess with the labor market and people could lose their jobs. Or, you know, we just have a very sluggish economy for a while as the Fed gets its arms around this thing. We're speaking with Lynette Lopez senior correspondent at Insider. Her piece is called America is Stuck in a Greased Pig Economy. Um, is there a chance that this works out on its own, that the consumer, is, as I think Jamie Dimon said, will run out of steam? There is a chance. The, what, what makes this so, what makes this economy so unstable or so hard for market participants to understand is we don't know how it's going to end. We don't know if we're going to fall in the mud before we catch the pig. We don't know if we, we you know, it just leaps kind of into our arms and we, we move along and the chase is over. We don't know how this will end. What we do know, though, is that while we are in this mode of pig catching, interest rates will remain higher, which, as you, I'm sure, have noticed, puts a strain on people who want to purchase a house, makes credit card payments if you carry balance, that's more expensive. Life is just going to be more expensive than it was when we had pretty much 0% interest rates, which has been it for, you know, financial crisis up to the pandemic. That That's what it was. The, uh, this, the, this greased pig got a little greasier in August. How come? Yeah, so uh, the, the pig doesn't have to run in a straight line. So we've been having Inflation has been going down substantially since this time last summer. Like that last June 2022 is at 9%, and that was really hurting Americans' wallets. Now we're at around 4 But there are signs within the data that inflation could be reaccelerating. And we're also seeing it in you know gas prices. Gas prices are going up. But that hurts people's wallets directly. So this could turn around on us. The U.S. economy is healthy. But the thing is, like, is it too healthy? This blows economists' minds. It's very confusing. And again, no one knows when it's going to end. Yeah, no real playbook here, obviously. Uh, Household income, as you said, fell last year. That makes this all the more critical, the next approach. Yeah. No, inflation really does eat into your wallet. You know, no one likes price instability. No one likes constantly you know, seeing their grocery bill and seeing it go up and up and up and up and up every week. So this is a really important fight. Uh, And I understand why the Fed is fighting it. It's just because the pandemic was so weird, because what we went through was just who just turns the lights off on an economy and then turns it back on again. It's very bizarre. So we don't know what's going to happen. But so far, we haven't been managing it that badly. We just, again, don't know when it's going to end. And the longer you keep interest rates up, the more it changes your economy in certain ways. Like people make 
different decisions about how and when to borrow money, for example. And the longer we have higher rates, the more those decisions will start to become normal for us, and it changes us as, as an economy, as a country. Thanks, Lynette. Lynette Lopez at Insider. It's time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. While well, anyone navigating the world of dating apps knows that it's no picnic out there dealing with the dating apps and the other modern ways that people meet these days, the only saving grace is that the apps are usually cheap to use and not, say, half a rent payment. That's how much Tinder is hoping desperate singles will fork over for their new monthly subscription plan. It's called Tinder Select, and if you're selected, you'll get to pay 400 $199 a month. What? Yes, for the privilege, Gordon, of joining. For that cash, you'll get the ability to message people before matching, have your profile unblurred in other in other users' likes page, and also get a special badge to notify others that you're the real deal. Tinder says it only offers the plan to less than 1% of its users it considers extremely active, and then the applications will open up on a rolling basis. If selected to apply, users will have to meet the company's 5 select screen. That means their profile must include a verified photo, a biography, five interests, at least four images, and details about what kind of relationship they're looking for. Wow. And also probably a credit check, right? You're going to yeah. need to know that somebody can, uh, can afford to pay that every Whoa. single month. At $4.99 a month, I better find somebody pronto. Yeah, that's the thing. It's I don't a lot need of pressure like, at, yeah. at that point, right? I don't need you know months two, three, and four <laughs> rolling over charging me $4.99 a month. Yeah. How active can you be in one month, right? right? And find the love of your wow. life, hopefully. I like that too. If selected to apply. I mean, that's how... So this yeah. is either you know a very exclusive mm-hmm. group that you've been chosen for, or uh, Tinder seems to believe that you're desperate. Uh, yes. Well, one of those one of those two things. <laughs> it's probably a combination of the two. If selected to apply. Yes, good luck. Wow. And uh, even if you do find your true love, the pitfalls are many. Then you can wind up on the couch or even divorce court with an errant swipe of a finger. Let's hope this guy was able to patch things up after a mortifying mistake on his honeymoon. In a viral post on Reddit, a man said that he was enjoying the first days of married life with his new wife in Hawaii. Taking tons of pictures, as everyone does, he uploaded the pictures to an online folder and then sent the link to the folder to his family and friends. Problem is, one of the pictures was a topless picture of his wife in the hot tub. Uh oh. Now, to be clear, her back was turned and no private parts were visible, but it's still not the kind of pic that parents and siblings would want to be seeing. <laughs> the groom was eventually able to delete the pic from the folder, but not before they had been offline for 36 hours mm. and the photo had been viewed by almost everyone right. who had the link. Yeah, whoops. Yeah, so uh, too little, too late. Who hey, knows yeah. uh, what happened to that picture? Hey, honey, uh, listen. Can we have a quick talk? Oh, boy. I uh, <clears throat> sent a photo. You hope to at least get through your honeymoon unscathed. That's right. like the one place where you think that everyone's right. going to be, everything's going to be fantastic. Uh, you yep. can start real married life when you get home. Remember when you were in the hot tub and uh, <laughs> took your top off? Yeah. Thanks, Mike. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2023. Glad you're with us. There are certain things that are harder to dispose of than others. Fox News has a few common items that cannot be thrown away in your trash and where to toss them instead. Number one, batteries. Alkaline batteries, which include the standard AA or 9 volts, can be 
tossed in the garbage. However, button cell or coin batteries like the ones used for calculators should go to a battery recycler. Number two, for smartphones, the easiest way to get rid of them is by trading one in for a new one. Some carriers will take care of your old device for you. Number three, televisions. TVs contain glass, lead, and other chemicals. See if your electronic store will take care of your TV. You can also contact your local recycling facility. And number four, motor oil. If you change the oil in your car, set aside the container that the new oil came in. You can bring used oil to a recycling facility or to an auto center. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Moody's Investor Service says the U.S.'s credit rating could face additional pressure if the federal government shuts down next week. The ratings agency says while a short-lived shutdown would not impact government debt service payments, it isn't expected to disrupt the economy. It would underscore weakness and demonstrate the significant constraints that intensifying political polarization put on fiscal policymaking at a time of declining fiscal strength. Congress has until Sunday to pass a federal budget. Number two. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson fell short of qualifying for the second GOP presidential debate this week. But the other seven candidates who were there for the first debate in August will be back on stage tomorrow in California. Doug Burgum, Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley... Mike Pence, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Tim Scott have all qualified for the second debate. Former President Trump has refused to pledge support to the party's eventual nominee, meaning he cannot qualify. Number three. The identities of jurors for the Georgia election interference case of former President Trump will be kept secret until the end of the trial. A judge in Fulton County Superior Court says the jurors shall be identified by number only in court filings or in open court during the pendency of trial. Parties in the case are barred from disclosing the names, addresses, phone numbers, or identifying employment information of the jury or any prospective jurors. The ruling follows violent threats made against officials in Fulton County, which prompted an FBI investigation. An explosion at a fuel depot in Azerbaijan has killed 20 people and injured hundreds more. Nearly 300 people have been admitted to hospitals. It comes as the Armenian government said more than 13,000 refugees crossed into the country. State Department spokesman Matt Miller. Azerbaijan has a responsibility to protect civilians and ensure the humane treatment of all, including those it suspects of being combatants. The disputed Nagorno-Karabakh region is home to a majority of some 120,000 ethnic Armenians. With a tentative deal between Hollywood writers and the major entertainment studios on a new labor contract, some TV talk shows may return to air in a matter of days. The programs likely to return to production first include The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel Live. Staffers working on daytime talk shows will likely return to work during the second week of October. Scripted shows will likely take longer to return because of the ongoing actors strike. Got it. Thank you, Jen. Glad you're with us. A Florida woman has a thing for Labor Day drama. Sorry, Turner has now given birth to three girls in the past four years, all born on the same day, September 3rd. It was Jasmine in 2020, Jessica a year later, now Juliet three weeks ago. Dad Jeremy tells the Washington Post the birth dates of the three Turner sisters at Advent Health Ocala Hospital were not planned. Explaining his wife went to labor naturally each time was not induced. By one measure, the odds of three siblings having the same birth date are more than 48 million to one. Ms. Turner says in the future, there will be three sets of presents, but they're not sure about three cakes, and they're still working on how to sing the happy birthday song since there are three names to fit in. Regarding a fourth September 3rd baby, Ms. Turner says, 
I think I'll take a break now. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.